let me tell you something. It's been a tough year, y'all. Okay. Oz. Yes, we sure you are. We are. I cannot talk right now. <laughs> and at the top of each podcast. And, uh, uh ha, ha. Um, okay. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> Take two. Okay. Welcome to season two of Voices Amped. I'm Ellie Clark. And I'm Vanessa Becker-Weig, and we are your hosts. We are thrilled to have you join us as we jump into season two with more artists, organizers, and activists sharing their journeys, their work, and all of their wisdom. We were energized last season by our guests and their passion for making change in their own lives and the lives of those in their community. We are honored to share the space with them. A little bit different this season, at the top of each podcast, Vanessa and I will be bringing you some real talk. Last season was real talk, but Vanessa and I have been going through a lot and it's been one of the toughest years of my life. People will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, hi, how are you doing? And I'm like, I, I am pandemic fine. I'm pandemic fine. I'm exhausted. I'm a little burned out. I'm. I, I'm also actually in a really healthy, good place. So I don't know why I'm so tired and why I'm feeling so burned out. I just am so uncertain. It's been a really tough year and- um, <laughs> statement of the century. <laughs> yeah. We will also have some short bonus episodes documenting our new Bodies Amped project. So we invite you, our listeners, to reach out with conversations you're interested in having as well. So email us, Ellie, at VoicesAmplified.net or Vanessa at VoicesAmplified.net. Join us and our guest in season two of Voices Amped. (laughs) So um, today we're uh, interviewing, who's coming up is Laura Wilson. Yes. Yes. And what did you talk to Laura about? Oh, we talked about uh, her journey with hiking and her journey with self-care during the pandemic. Um, We talked a lot about um, her work that she brings to the table with us for Bodies Amped, which we we were just about to start when we interviewed her. And uh, she is a dance movement therapist. So she talked about a lot of that. And um, she is such an inspiration to me. We talked a bit about that and how Ellie and I each have people that have inspired us to do some of the work that we do in starting the Girl Project. And Laura was definitely that for me. Um, so, and, and, you know, we also talked about, you know, some college memories and stuff. So that was fun. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, we got an arts match grant supported by LG and E and KU through, um, Kentucky arts foundation. Um, and it is supporting bodies amped, which is a project that we're currently working on. Um, that will have a performance or showing in March. And Laura Wilson is the very first guest artist we had come in. Yes. And we're going to start documenting that process as we go along. And it's uh, been a new process, just like when we did the girl project where we didn't know what it was going to be. And now we're learning. Yeah. And some of, yeah, it was hard for some folks to be like, well, what are we doing? We're like, we're, we're showing up, we're showing up and we're sharing a space and it was our first go at working with adults. Yeah. 
because <clears throat> we had wanted to do the project with women, um, the girl project, a lot of women said, I wish I had something like this. Uh, so it's our first time working with people our age mm -hmm. um, from how old is Emma and Emma? Uh, so they're both 24, 25, 24 to Lydia, which I don't want to guess Lydia's age, but um, I would say we have a span of 20, 30, 40, 50, like 40, 50 years mm -hmm. of yeah. the participants, which is really cool. Yeah. Super exciting. <clears throat> Super exciting. So before we before we let you listen to Vanessa and Laura's interview, um, I just Vanessa and I wanted to check in. Where are you? What's going on with you? Real talk. Oh well, uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is in just a couple of days for some, but I already had my Thanksgiving last night, um, just because family is doing all the different things, mm -hmm. um, and I. Uh, I wanted to really treasure Thanksgiving because this time last year, uh, Thanksgiving was pretty dramatic, <laughs> dramatic yes. and traumatic um, because I wanted to Zoom with everybody because I felt totally unsafe and I didn't want to put my parents in an unhealthy situation. And everybody in the family decided to go ahead and have Thanksgiving all together and uh my husband and I zoomed in and so that was a little that was a, that was a hard thanksgiving so all that is to say you know we no one knew what was going on at that time no one knew what to do what was the right thing but this year we are all fully vaccinated and even boosted so wow. we got all together and um i really wanted it to be a super memorable special thanksgiving we had it super late <laughs> so i was so tired it was like i ate all that food and then i'm like okay i'm ready to go to bed late is 7 30 <laughs> yeah late for <laughs> me that's early. <laughs> yeah so that's what's on kind of my heart right now is is the importance of family and relationships and and just how you just never know from one year to the next where things are going to be so treasuring every moment is is so important, whether it's a pandemic or just, you know, life and loss of life. And so that's been weighing pretty heavily with me, the importance of family and when, uh, when boundaries are made and when they're not made and, you know, how, how important it is to keep those connections and how do you keep it going? Yeah. And that's an interesting example of, um, what season two, what we said in our opening that we wanted this to be was real talk because last year, all this stuff was going on and we weren't really, we were talking about this before we started the interview and after, but we weren't talking about um, <clears throat> how complicated the holidays were with the pandemic and how complicated relationship dynamics and family dynamics got. Like I didn't come home for Christmas last year and it broke my heart. Um, I don't think I'd ever not been home for Christmas ever. And I was 40, 41 last year, 42. Um, <clears throat> it's big family time. And Evan and I were really disappointed to not come home, but my sister was working. My nephews were in school and the schools were a wreck and we didn't have a vaccination. And I was frustrated. You know, I was frustrated. So it was hard last year. Yeah, it sucked. It really And is. this year it's like, every, we're vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about the booster shot and Kentucky, the rates are high, I think. So anyway, but in, in terms of like relationships, what, what, what's weighing with on you with relationships? 
Well, I just think with, I, I think it's hard to maintain relationships in any time, <laughs> but in a time like this, where we all feel um, so isolated and we're starting to come back out of it and we don't know, <laughs> like, we're like, how do we, how do we do this? Do we still do this? Do How do we be in a tiny little closet together again when we haven't been in the same room? Um, and there's so many things that have changed and people have had to make different choices because of the pandemic and, and really a lot of things going on in our country and the separation and the, and racial reckoning. There's so much that's gone on and people have had to choose to make boundaries. And how do you continue though, to foster your relationship so that you're not feeling so isolated and you're not making these tight boundaries around yourself, um, so I've really been struggling with that too, is keeping relationships going um, while having boundaries to take care of myself, because I've worked really hard during this time to try to, to make changes in my life to, for self-care mm -hmm. <laughs> and growth, which I think, you know, uh, learning how to grow is something that we're we're wanting to talk a lot about in the podcast as we move forward with this season is how we can continue to grow. Yeah. Well, and even for you, I guess, with me having been gone longer, but then like we've talked about Jenny moving to Tennessee and Margaret going to Florida for an indefinite amount of time, potentially, mm -hmm. and those relationships and keeping this going and yeah, people have gone in so many different directions. And we're not in the workplace anymore. Mm -mm. We don't show up to work with people anymore. Mm -mm. So you and I are on Zoom every Tuesday. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? What's weighing on you? Um, uh, nothing's weighing. I'm actually feeling like for the first time in a long time that, oh, I'm going to get actually some time off on the holidays. Mm -hmm. Because usually we're at a theater doing a Christmas show. Yes, yes. Usually it's like death yes. this time. You're like Thanksgiving is rehearsals for Christmas show. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I I'm actually loving that. Yeah. So I'm actually like, oh, I'm gonna be home for four days for Thanksgiving right now. That's why we're here. Um, and Christmas, I might get like a week, week and a half at home. Um, without like having to work, work, mm -hmm. which is crazy. And my mom's retired and, you know, it, so anyway, that's feeling good. And I think where I'm trying to put my focus. So ah, uh, I don't know if I'm going to know the exact name of the podcast, but on my drive home, I was listening to Brene Brown on Dare to Lead, talking with James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. And I just saw this quote that blew my mind. And then my... Um, my CEO of the company I work for, Erica Arvold, like was like, listen to this podcast. And um, I'm really trying to track this growth mindset mentality. And we've talked about Lauren, who will be with us in January, I hope. Um, <laughs> but just listening to James Clear talk about his atomic habits and growth mindset and um, really a lot of goals being driven from outside influences. Mm. Um rather than really questioning who's the kind of person I want to be and casting votes daily to be the person you want to be. Um, 
it's so beautiful and it's so simple and listening to it. I mean, Evan and I got like the church giggles in the car because it pisses you off to listen to it. Cause you're like, ah, I do that. <laughs> um, uh, but he makes it sound so simple and like what some of those traps are. And he's not like the, if you do it for 30 days, you'll do it forever. He's like, if you're going to cast votes for the person you want to be, it, you've got to do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I'm hyper aware and I think it has to do with our friendship that I'm at, I'm at a stage two where, um, changes are going to happen fast, right? As you moved in forties, fifties, sixties, like you're, you're starting to deplete in muscle. You're starting to, um, your body is just changing a lot really mm -hmm. fast. So you've got to stay strong and be consistent, yeah. um, to just be the person I want to be as I am growing and getting older even. Um, so anyway, this whole idea of growth mindset and casting votes for the kind of person you want to be, and that that doesn't require just like, the presidential election like you don't have to be you don't have to get a hundred percent of the votes mm. you know like even if 50 percent of the time you're casting the votes for the person you want to be you come out the winner or that person comes out on top mm. um and just you know i can get i i see family i see friends like stuck in ruts or like a negative mentality or hyper-focused on hard stuff. Mm. And I even had a really good conversation with my mom last time I was home and just said, you know, I don't share a lot that things are hard, mm -hmm. but I, but I think it's because I'm in this mindset of really trying to attract things to me because I, I do believe, and I am learning through a lot of the work that I'm doing that what you put out into the universe is what you get back yeah and I don't want to be the person who competes like shows up to the room and talks about how busy I am and competing for being the busiest and the most tired and the, I want to be the person who shows up and feels healthy and strong and is ready to listen and we were talking about this with Fadi's aunt that we can't give a definition just like with the girl project of what it is yet but it's experiential and just showing up. I'm always happy every Wednesday that I showed up, yes. particularly by the end of it. I'm mm -hmm. like, God, that felt good. Oh, my body's sore. Like belly dancing. We were dancing, doing <laughs> heels dancing. Yes. I was in flat boots. Oh, these. Wow. And Vanessa was in heels. I was in heels and my <laughs> thighs and my hamstrings were screaming. My, uh, my back. Cause it was, she was like, bend over, touch her toes, arch your back, come up sexy, yeah. butt out. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to break my back. Um, I was like, I used to be able to do this all the time. Yeah. Oh, anyway. So just, uh, being casting votes for showing up, being vulnerable, mm -hmm. what that means and being okay with it and being the kind of person I want to be and not falling into traps of maybe old things that I did or what I see people I know doing or family doing and really there's a lot of negativity out in the world right now and it, you can fall into the trap of complaining and I'm yeah. you know and I'm trying yeah. to just appreciate where I am and understand that we're always growing um and I have to accept every phase of me growing as a person and I I think I like the person I'm becoming <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and I 
I like my friends. I like the cultivation of some of the work we're doing. So all of the work we've done. So anyway, um, just trying to keep my eye on the prize and cast votes to the person I want to be. That's a wonderful as we're approaching the end of the year. I'm yeah. I'm inspired by yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I really, really am. And Laura is so inspiring. She is. She is. I cannot wait for you to hear our dear friend and inspiration, Laura Wilson. Welcome and thanks for listening. This is Voices Amped. I'm Vanessa Becker-Weig and I am your solo host today. I am thrilled to have our very first in-person interview with one of my very best lifelong friends, Laura Wilson. Thrilled to have you here today, Laura. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> well, I have a long list of bragging to do here. So we're going to go ahead and start there. Laura graduated cum laude with honors from Wright State University with a BFA in acting and earned an MA in dance as healing and therapy from the University of California, Los Angeles. She furthered her dance movement therapy, DMT training at Connections in Rochester, New York, under the tutelage of respected dance movement therapy pioneer, Danielle Frankel, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. PhD, BC-DMT. She is a board certified dance movement therapist. Laura teaches nonverbal communication and body mind-body interaction for the dance department. Where? I don't have this here. At Cal State University, Long Beach. Most recently, Laura presented great expression and neuroplasticity implications for dance movement therapy and Alzheimer's disease at the ADTA's 45th annual conference. She writes about dance movement therapy for various blogs on the web, including her own. She's recognized as the was recognized as the leader of tomorrow in 2008 by the American Dance Therapy Association. Laura served as president of the California chapter of the ADTA for two terms terms and is a long-standing uh, member of the ADTA's Public Relations Committee. She serves as a program advisor for the Arts and Healing Initiative, a nonprofit organization in partnership with the UCLA Collaborative Center for Integrative Medicine to, quote, facilitate the use of arts-based tools for mind-body healing in the community. Wow, that's a great body of work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No wonder I'm so um, incredibly inspired by you always. Um, and so you're here. Well, do you want to tell our listeners why you're here? Why I brought you in other than wanted to see you? Well, I'm talking about being inspired. I am also inspired by your body of work and really excited to be part of your body's amped project. Um, being invited to facilitate one of the opening workshops for this project is a, just a high point of my year for sure. Um, Laura, we are, Laura mentioned that we're getting ready to start our Bodies Amped program and she facilitated our first official workshop. Um, so in the rest of our season, for this season two, we're going to be highlighting the Body Zamped program. Um, and Laura came in and worked with our group in kind of establishing the kind of opening ceremony, if you will, 
for the Bodies Amped program. And um, she's also worked with us over several years in our work with um, the Girl Project and Voices Heard. So she's kind of been a staple of the program since its inception. And um, quite honestly, one of the uh, reasons I, I think I told you this, that that for me, the inspiration of starting the Girl Project was you. So Ellie has her inspiration, which is Ellen Hagen, and I have my inspiration, which was you. So I, I hope that you take that as a great compliment that you are an inspiration for starting the Girl Project. That's um, incredibly humbling because I've seen what you've done with that project over the years. And it, the seeds that you're planting with that community-based outreach and using the arts and the capacity to empower and to create change is so incredible and that I'm somehow linked to that is very much an honor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're going to enjoy this love fest. I know you all are. <laughs> loving each other. We're loving each other. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Um, so one of my first questions is, um, as long as I have known you, dance and movement has been a huge part of your life since we met each other when we were 18? 17. So, I was 17. Oh, yes. Yes. I yes. was a baby. <laughs> so when I met you, uh, I, I was like, oh my gosh, this person is, I love this person so much. And she's, I loved that you, um, I love to watch you dance and, and from your soul, because that's something I've always enjoyed as well. And so for you, what, why, why is dance and movement so important to you? Well, you know, I didn't actually start any kind of official dance training until I was 16. Wow. Um, it wasn't offered to me. I grew up in a very small town. I grew up in rural rural Illinois, like not even in a small town. And I didn't become aware that there was such a thing as a dance studio to take studio classes mm -hmm. until I was um, 15. Um, and I immediately wanted to take classes once I learned about it. At 16, I was, my first classes in ballet and jazz were literally I was standing next to like nine and 10 year olds <laughs> as a teenager. Like I had to swallow so much pride uh -huh. to just begin. But because I started so late, um, it, my connection to dance has always been about an expression of something deeper. And um, even though I didn't have training early, it I would dance just to, um, just to ground myself, just to express myself. And I felt so present in the moment and grounded and centered and the healthiest I ever felt when I was dancing. Um, so I actually didn't even know about the field of dance therapy until um, a couple years after undergrad. And I decided during undergrad that I wasn't I didn't want to continue a pursuit of an acting career, mm. but I didn't know what I wanted. Um, and I gave myself permission um, to not know for a couple of years. And um, I came to this awareness during that time 
that dancing had been my first love. It had always been my first love. And so when I was looking at graduate programs in choreography, I discovered a graduate program in dance therapy. And I'd never heard of that before, but, um, and I've told this to people, it was like a lightning bolt. It was just like, I am supposed to do that. I don't even know what that is. That is what I'm supposed to do. Because I realized in just seeing those words together, that dance had always been very therapeutic for me, that it had been cathartic. And when I felt most alive and um, the most happy and, and the most expressive of whatever I was feeling that was not happy, you know, I would channel my, my feelings into that. So that's what drew me to graduate school in dance therapy. And I, even on the first day of graduate school, I, I had no idea what it was, but, <laughs> but I was so sure. I was so sure that whatever it was, it was gonna be right that I committed to that. That's fascinating to me that you didn't truly start dance training until you were 16. I didn't. You must've worked really hard then. I, a couple of years before getting to college. Yeah, I'd only had a year of dance training before I started undergraduate um, classes. And uh, yeah, I, I still have the first pair of jazz shoes that I wore out in the garage practicing my pirouettes just on the mm. concrete over and over and over mm. again. Like I would do my pirouettes in the, in the grocery store behind my mom at the grocery. Like I, I was like, I can't stop dancing. I must, I gotta dance, I gotta dance. Me too, you could ask my mom about my tap dancing down the grocery aisles. <laughs> I loved to tap dance down the grocery aisles. Um, so I was, I'm wondering if you could share with us, um, are there any times that you can draw on in your life where dance has been specifically healing for you? Um, all through high school and my 20s, um, I am open about this. I actively dealt with an eating disorder when I was in high school. I was dealing with bulimia and um, and then, you know, I, it took me a number of years to get to a place where I wasn't practicing symptoms or practicing behaviors, um, but the, the underlying aspects of, of having a negative self-image, a negative body image, and being in touch with my emotions, all those sorts of things took a long time to, to work through many, many therapists, lots of personal work. Um, but dancing during that time, even when, before I was really in therapy, dancing got me in my body. Mm. And that's the first step to healing. Like that's the power of dance therapy is that it is an integrative form. You are trying to integrate your mind, your body, your spirit, your heart, your emotions. And that's, that happens because of the mind-body connection, because we, we do have that connection. Um, but with eating disorders in particular, um, that there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the body can become the enemy. Mm. And so the thinking and the feeling can all be projected at the body. Um, but when I was dancing, I was in my body and not hating my body. Mm -hmm. I was 
moving my body and my body was an expression of my feelings. And so in those moments, there was integration. And it, so it was like a glimpse of wholeness mm -hmm. and, and almost like anchors getting me closer and closer to what I knew was possible out there. Like, I want that again. I want to be able to feel whole mm -hmm. and not hate myself. Well, I think that's interesting because as someone who has never really dealt with an eating disorder, unless you include overeating as an eating disorder, but which you, which some folks do. Um, but, you know, I've all, I too have always struggled with body image issues, but I, there's never a time where I feel so free in my body is when I'm dancing. And, you know, even, um, even when I'm on stage um, as an actor, I have the tape of what do I look like? And, and not always, but sometimes I have the tape of what do I look like? Um, if I'm not fully engaged in the character, that's where my mind goes. But there's never a time that my mind goes there when I'm dancing, mm -hmm. when that's really the time to, you know, and I, of course, have always um, struggled with not having a dancer body. And that's why I really didn't pursue it because I started training in dance when I was in middle school, probably. And then, um, you know, by the time I auditioned for colleges, I was told I didn't have a dancer body. And I was at the time, I think maybe mm. 130 pounds, maybe 125. <laughs> so anyway, maybe 125, you know, I was built. And, you know, did that happen? <laughs> I think that is beginning to change. I think that that is shifting in the culture a little bit in the professional dance world. Um, but yeah, what a what a tragedy that is mm. for for every every person mm -hmm. who wanted to dance and got shot down because of body type. Like that's it's. Mm. That's one of the main reasons behind uh, starting Bodies Amped is I, um, you know, I, I think all of our listeners know that I've turned 50, proud to say it now, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, it, it's, you know, as I, during the pandemic, looking back through my career and what it was that I, you know, have accomplished and things that I'm interested in that I haven't dabbled in and there's just been this thing that's been just you know in the back of my head I really want to explore dance and movement for all shapes all sizes all ages like I mean I I admire um women who are are still you know, finding dance in their lives, just all ages. I love that so much. And, and I love all the shapes and sizes of women together and what they, what they look like together, all the generations together. And so, um, you know, I think that that, that is one, you know, the main reason behind really wanting to, to make that work, which was why it was so important that you came <laughs> and helped the start. Well, you know, I, I think that even, people who don't want to become professional dancers, there is a great loss experienced when they don't feel it's safe to dance in our culture. Mm. 
you know, I deal with that a lot with my patients and clients. Like, even though I'm doing a dance movement therapy group and, and, and it is for them, there's that initial fear of moving my body in front of other people because of all this stuff that our society has, mm-hmm. has put out there that, you know, it's, it's not okay to dance or you have to, you have to look perfect or move perfect in order to dance. And dancing is our inherent right. <laughs> it is our inherent right. And actually there's even research to show that babies, that human babies respond to rhythm even more um, actively than they do to the human voice, to speech. Mm-hmm. Like we in our DNA are encoded to move to rhythm. And if you watch some of those videos of like, on YouTube of like babies dancing, mm-hmm. you know, you see it. That's yeah. before we get in our heads, before we get told that it's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you've created this opportunity for um, people in, in the community to come and reclaim that right, mm-hmm. to be in their bodies, to move their bodies, to move through and past the baggage that is not ours, that's been laid on us from the society, like, Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you mentioned, um, you know, you're suffering from an eating disorder when you were in high school. Now have you have, you have done some work with, with teenagers suffering from eating disorders. Is that right? I did. Yes. So um, it is not uncommon to, for people who go into the healing fields to be drawn to some aspect of that out of an unconscious need to heal Mm. self. And so when I went to graduate school, my first, my first instinct was I want to help people with eating disorders Mm. um, because that was something I had struggled with. And and part of that journey is that in learning how to help others, you're actually really learning how to help yourself too. So it was just another deeper layer of working on myself. But yes, I specialized in that during my first uh, few years as working as a dance therapist. I worked in hospital working with teenagers with eating disorders. Hmm. Yeah. And and now you've kind of gone to the other end of the spectrum, right? So you're working more with geriatric elderly patients. Yes. So for the last 20 years, has it been 20 years? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Okay. Like 15 years, uh, 15, 16 years I've worked in adult psych settings. So I've been working with, I, I do specialize in geriatric, especially with um, the elderly with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, but I also have worked all these years with acute chronic mental illness and acute psych dealing with people living with schizophrenia, um, severe depression, um, bipolar disorder, thoughts of suicide. So um, I have come, I, I, I've started working with a different group of, of patients, but uh, I love it. I'm curious, cause you mentioned with, um, with working with patients with eating disorders, you know, how you were able to kind of reflect back on yourself and and work through some of your own stuff. How how about with, you know, some of these patients that these, uh, the ones with, you know, um, consistent mental health issues or geriatric patients, like, are you, how has that affected you and helped you? 
and I guess, and then the second part of that question is how do you maintain your level of mental health? Because that you must absorb a lot of that. Two parts. Two parts. <laughs> Two parts. Um, well, I definitely, I definitely take inspiration from the people that I work with mm -hmm. and inspiration in those interactions. Like dance movement therapy in a group setting, especially, I enter into the space really not knowing what's going to happen. It's an improvisational process. I, I enter with overarching goals and objectives and you know, their, their individual treatment objectives in mind. So I know in the back of my head, we need to get there. That's what we need to address in the process, but the process itself is improvisational and it's based on what, how the patients respond in the moment in their bodies, what they mention when we verbally process. And so I take inspiration and, and I'm humbled and, and at awe of the power of dance when I witness what comes up in, mm -hmm. in the moment, when I, when I see moments of, of insight for someone who's, who's very, very sick, finding connection to another human being in a really meaningful way through, through rhythm or through, through movement, or for them to come to some sort of awareness that is so meaningful to them that emerged from the movement process. And that always returns me to a sense of deep awe and gratitude for, for dance and for the opportunity to be part of that. Mm -hmm. It really grounds me in my gratitude. It grounds me in my gratitude. And especially with those who are living with memory impairment due to dementia or Alzheimer's disease, I think the greatest takeaway I've, I've had from that experience over the years is that it has made me appreciate and realize on a spiritual level that you know, all we really have is the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is so, so present when you are working with somebody who has memory problems mm -hmm. because they are not going to necessarily remember the details of what happened. But in the moment of the therapy session, we might be creating joy. We might be creating real connection on a human level. Mm. Um, we might be expressing something that is present in the moment. And that grounds me. That grounds me because, you know, we can get so lost in worrying about the future, worrying about the past, and being reminded that there's always the potential for connection and emotional expression and joy in the present moment that keeps me grounded. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm. How has COVID affected, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your work with um, you know, you're uh, as a, a college professor, but um, how has COVID affected your work as a dance movement therapist? Well, the work in the inpatient units continued. The work in the outpatient facilities continued. 
um, during the peak of COVID, we we changed from going to from group work to doing individual one-on-one -on -one work um, with masks and and during the worst of it, you know the the unit we would enter the psychiatric unit wearing an N95 with a surgical mask over it with a face shield over it wearing gowns and you know into a COVID positive psychiatric unit and it was challenging because the patients were so they were still patients who needed desperate mm. care and treatment and they were also experiencing more solitude and isolation sure. because of the COVID um, restrictions to save people's lives. So um, we tried to change the work so that we would go in one-on-one -on -one into their rooms and have therapeutic interactions in that sense. Um, but, you know, I, I teach about nonverbal communication and it was challenging to connect and to, and to make the patients feel cared for and yeah. safe when they're engaging with you behind masks and yeah. all they're seeing are their eyes and um, very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. Did you feel that you got to, um, I guess maybe because, you know, there's so much facial expression that's covered I'm just curious, did you feel like though that you, because you're a dance movement therapist, that you were able to rely on your body more with that non- Well, that's that's the thing. Um, that's where you have to go because yeah. the the first instinct is to think, oh, you can't you can't connect as much because you're not seeing each other's facial expressions. But you know, the eyes are very, very expressive. And of course the body is how we express um, most of our emotions. We don't realize that we we recognize and identify emotions by what we see in someone's body as much mm -hmm. as what we see in their face. Mm -hmm. um, so we did a lot of work with um, um, teaching clients how to access their own um, ability to relax and to calm themselves mm -hmm. and to regulate themselves it was such an anxiety yeah such an anxiety producing time so a lot of work with that do you do you have any success stories that you feel like you can share from your time as a dance movement therapist success stories mm -hmm. oh golly um well or maybe not success as much as just you, you know, specifically ones that you took joy. I mean, that there you you walked out feeling like, wow, that really was an amazing session. Gosh, so many. Um, I see. I I experience nuggets of that in so many of my sessions, and because I work with with people with chronic mental illness and conditions that you know the dance therapy doesn't cure them of their mental illness, right? You don't do a dance therapy session and go, aha, <laughs> I no longer hear voices. You know, it's it's not like that. But the moments where I take, where I've left just on a high and, and so in love with the work and um, what I do is 
when I see somebody who has, and, and inherently they live most of their days and, and hours of the day very internally preoccupied, disconnected from others, unable to make eye contact, unable to have a meaningful conversation with somebody else, just very in their own shell. And that's how they live every day. And then and throughout the course of a dance movement therapy session that is is built, you know, it, it's a gradual um, build. It's not like, you know, you don't tell them connect, you know, you don't do that. You build and you make them feel safe and, and you start to facilitate ways to connect non-verbally and acknowledge and validate whatever it is that they're giving to the process. But, but to see a, a client who's so internally preoccupied and disconnected from others actually volunteer to, to stand mm, up and dance yeah. or to lead somebody else in a movement um, to engage for a moment in some sort of nonverbal, mm -hmm. playful movement with another person, because that's a real connection. It's yeah. not a conversation in words, mm -hmm. but it's a connection. Mm -hmm. And when I witness that, my heart, oh my gosh, my heart just sings. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. And I've seen that also with um, many times with the elderly with dementia and Alzheimer's disease, because also when I, I no longer work in skilled nursing facilities, but I used to. And when I would enter a room to do a group, oftentimes the, the workers there would have everybody assembled in their wheelchairs in a circle. And what I would see is just every individual person just slumped in their chair, just kind of shoulders down, head down, no social engagement, no interaction with one another. And for people who are cognitively impaired in that way, they really need that stimulation to come to be engaged. And, you know, 10 minutes into the session, playing music from their era, Mm -hmm. um, interacting with them one-on-one -on -one and getting them to start, you know, tapping their foot or, or tapping their fingers. It doesn't even have to be big. It does not have to be a big movement for it to have meaning mm -hmm. in the, in the bodily felt sense. And they would start responding to the music. And then, um, you know, I might ask them, well, what are we doing with our arms? What does that remind you? What do you think we're doing? And it would trigger some sort of movement-based memory yeah. and someone would be like oh well we're swimming like, where <coughs> are we swimming to and they'd be like oh Catalina which is an island off of California's coast you know and I'm like oh and then someone else would say oh well, I went to Catalina with my husband I met him there and then oh my Love gosh that. now we're all everybody's <coughs> reminiscing and sharing stories now because it all got triggered by movement and and the end of the group looks completely different it is a group of engaged human beings sharing laughing oh. i love that i love that so much i love it too i hate that i coughed during that story oh i love it too it's it's, it's amazing to watch to witness that's beautiful that's really beautiful um i think i'm gonna go on to some some fun stuff oh fun stuff <laughs> fun stuff Okay, so um, one of 
I have so many wonderful memories with you. And don't worry, I'm not gonna talk about something. Oh my, <laughs> you have you have insider information. I do. She does. <laughs> when you have lots of insider information for we'll me. We'll just too, both so. lock the key on that. <laughs> okay. So um <clears throat> Uh, one of my favorite times with you, though, is my first big musical <gasps> that I directed and you choreographed. You talk about a dream team getting to direct and choreograph Pippin with you was just one of the greatest joys of my life. Um, we were both like you know, late, mid to late 20s, yeah. I think. <clears throat> we were babies. We were babies. And, <laughs> um, and like all of those kids are like full on, full fledged grownups. So <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, you just uh, did, it, it, it set the bar high for any other um, director choreographer relationship I had. Cause a lot of, sometimes I direct my own stuff, but then sometimes I have a choreographer and, um, <clears throat> I always reflect back. I'm like, that was, I was so lucky for that to be my first big musical to have someone, because I had choreographed musicals before, but I had never directed and to have someone, you know, just be able to carry out exactly what was needed without even having to, like, it was just, it just happened. Like it just happened. And it was so easy. It wasn't always that way. But anyway, <laughs> um, do you ever get a chance to choreograph anymore oh I want to choreograph <laughs> you know I'm choreographing in my head all the time sure you I are am choreographing in my head all the time um golly when was the last time I actually choreographed um I don't even remember but um yeah no it's been a while I think the, the last time I choreographed was when I did that small piece with you for voices heard yeah. and I just did that little solo and that I that was really meaningful that was a big moment for me to to it was short but it, just to to choreograph and dance again as a performer that was a big deal for me like just it, it re, re reignited the artist self you know and and I think you know you asked earlier and I didn't talk about this about how do you self-care when you are in a position of caring for others. And I've talked about this with other dance therapists and, and other creative arts therapists, you know, like art therapists and music therapists. It's always the same. Like we always need to remind ourselves to come back to our art form mm -hmm. because sure. we, the reason we got drawn into a creative arts therapy profession is because practicing the art for ourselves was so meaningful that was where we found the hook so anytime we can continue to to tap into that is how we self-care yeah. so i do a lot of dancing for myself but i'm going to take that as a reminder yes and a subtle <laughs> nudge 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 to uh create that opportunity for myself again to choreograph good i'll keep nudging okay nudge, i love nudge. choreographing <laughs> um what's your favorite music to move to oh my gosh um i would say like honestly um jump jump blues jump mm. blues and like swing music mm -hmm. like yeah or soul 60s soul 
Like, like I, oh, no, but it's, oh, uh, <laughs> like Louis Prima. I love Louis Prima. You know, that, I love anything from that era that has a, uh, has a real um, drive to it because, as you know, I, I am a Lindy Hopper. So um, if I can Lindy Hop, I'm happy. <laughs> well, that leads me to a question that I was going to ask later, but since you mentioned Lindy Hopping, so, <laughs> um, Laura is one of the bravest, most adventurous people that I know, which is yet another reason I'm so inspired by her. And Lindy hopped across America. And weren't you on Good Morning America for uh, on your? Lindy oh, we hopping? tried. We tried to get on Good Morning. Oh, America. you were okay. Yeah, okay. we stood. We stood outside the window. We <laughs> tried to get on. Yeah, is Good Morning America still on? It is. Okay. Yeah, right. it is. For the youngins out there, I don't know if they even know what that show is. Yeah, but, it's um, still there. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. What, um, what was that experience like? Oh, like hopping my... across America. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So this was back when uh, Lindy Hop kind of had a resurgence um, in the around 99, 2000. And I had just moved to California to go to grad school. Um, but I had a year before school school started, and I connect the people that I connected to in California were were the people in the Lindy Hop scene. Shout out, Saren! Hi, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and I I I wanted to Lindy Hop across America, so we just I started brainstorming with them. We rented an RV, like it was called Cruise Across Cruise Across America RV, <laughs> and we had the audacity to reach out to to swing venues in cities across America and tell them we were a troupe like like we weren't a troupe like we, we had just started like but we made it sound like we were you know all that and we would come in and we would do a Lindy Hop lesson and have an event if they would host us and uh yeah we went from LA to Vegas to to Albuquerque to Houston to DC to New York City and we just drove, we drove in the RV, had a good time. And uh, uh, whenever we would get to that particular city, you know, I did choreograph. I choreographed a, a routine to Mambo Number Five. Oh, was that the da 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 we would perform that and then we would do lessons for the people that were there and uh and then we would just dance all night with the people Jeez. there it was so much That's fun so fun. so so fun. and this was when it was on it's really growing and at its peak yeah. at that time it was it was great it was so much fun yes so this this is just to say if you want to do it do it make it up make your own tour Make it happen. Make it happen. Doesn't exist. Make it happen. Well, aside from Lindy hopping across America, which I'm sure must be right up there, but what what are as you look back, kind of so far on your career as um, a theater artist and dance artist, choreographer? If you look back on that kind of part of your life, what would you say would be your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Oh, well, I mean, as a choreographer, I'm without a doubt working with you from Pippin. So much fun. Oh my gosh. No, that, I mean, 
not to just continue the love fest for a moment, but, <laughs> but I think it does, when you really have a connection with a, a fellow artist and, and you're really in sync, that process is so incredibly rewarding. And that was us, mm-hmm. you know, we really were in sync. Um, in terms of performance, I, ha- I have to say, you know, without a doubt, even though it was a college performance my freshman year when I got cast in a chorus line, mm. because, because I'd only been training for a year and I wanted that so badly. And I worked so hard to get from zero to being, a, being cast. Mm. Like it was just that's how bad I wanted to dance. Like yeah. that's how hard I worked at it. And then to be cast in, in just the, you know, for what I, what I think is the epitome of a dance musical was just a dream come true. That's incredible. I, I remember, I remember it. when I got, I remember the casting notice when I saw it go up on, on the green room door, or the bulletin board. I saw my name on there and I literally sprinted from the theater across campus all the way to my dorm room. I, I, I'm not a runner. I don't run <laughs> ever. I, I, I had so, I was so high. I just ran, 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 ran to go call my mom. So well-deserved. She played BB, right? I did play BB. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. So good. So, so good. Um, okay. So. Laura has been here visiting with me for like five days and I have yet, I was saving for this podcast interview to find out the down low (laughs) on your through hike. And could you just give like a brief history of the Laura Wilson mountain climbing, hiking, adventurous soul that you are? Well, um, so I started, I got the bug to start hiking in 2014. Um, And at that time, I had never even camped. I had never backpacked. I didn't know how to put on a backpack. I didn't know how to fill a water reservoir. Um, Any of my friends back then will tell you they would mock me so much because, you know, when you're a through hiker, um, you get a trail name when you're out on the trail um, that somebody else gives you based on your behavior. And my friends joked with me that my, my trail name would be dead weight because, (laughs) (laughs) because I literally didn't know how to do anything. I was like, how do I do this? How do I do that? You know? So just to say that little self-deprecating humor there, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Um, And I do not consider myself an athlete. Um, I'm not a runner. I'm, you know, didn't really do sports other than volleyball. But um, I decided that I wanted to hike the John Muir Trail, which is a 220 some mile hike from uh, Yosemite to Mount Whitney, which is the highest mountain in the 48 states. Um, So that's a goal. And it's still out there for me. I'm working towards that. But um, on the process of getting to that place, I set set higher and higher goals for me. I started um, bagging peaks, as they say it, like climbing bagging peaks. Yeah, climbing mountains, um, and uh, in California, which are all over the place. And 
2017, I did my first solo backpacking trip um, on the High Sierra Trail, which was uh, from Sequoia National Park to Mount Whitney. I summited Mount Whitney at sunrise. So cool. So, cool. Um, so that was a 77 mile backpacking trip. I did over six nights. And then this summer, this summer, I, um, I completed the Tahoe Rim Trail, which is um, on the ridgeline around Lake Tahoe. It is 165 miles. Um, I completed 155 and I did it over two and a half weeks. Wow. By myself. I am no longer dead weight. <laughs> I am now self-sufficient. That's amazing. Yeah. How, what, I, I, I try to think about this because I'm such an extrovert. I try to imagine myself being alone for two and a half weeks. And if I could deal with myself, um, what does it do for you? Like how, how, is it healing? Is it, are you able to really then truly like work through things? What, what does it do for you? Well, I think this trip in particular, the reason why I was very, um, very much wanted to do the trip this summer is a counter response to being um, isolated in my studio apartment Jeez, during yeah. COVID. Um, I live in a studio apartment. It's very, very small. And um, even, you know, I, I was pretty much living in that apartment. I was able to work from home, thankfully, very grateful for that. So I lived in that space and did not venture out very often for um, over a year. And um, I wanted, I wanted to have almost like a complete counterbalance of the exact opposite from being confined in a space to just walking, 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 moving, 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 almost like if I could have walked for a year and yeah. my body would have handled it, that's what I would have wanted. Um, I do, I think doing a through hike of that length by myself a year or two ago would have been much more challenging for me emotionally to be by myself. But I think that one of the gifts, very hard earned from COVID, because the first five or six months were very, very difficult to be by myself in with myself, you know, as I'm sure many people experienced. Um, but finding my way through that and learning how to cope and, and enjoy my own company and be by myself and find the way to live and thrive alone mm -hmm. in, a, in a small space made thriving alone in nature's majesty spectacular. Mm, yeah. I had already become my best friend. I had already <laughs> learned how to take care of myself. Yeah. And now... I got to do that just walking and, and seeing the most amazing sunsets over Lake Tahoe or, you know, feeling the wind on top of a ridgeline or, or watching eagles flying. Um, it, was, it was spectacular. And I only listened to music or a podcast of that two and a half days for, I think, five hours. The rest of the time I was just silent, just okay. listening to my thoughts, listening to nature. And um, that's not to say that it wasn't, I didn't have hard days. Sure. Cause I had hard days. And um, the, the hard, 
the challenge for me was about the negative thoughts that come up um, with my body when my body starts to hurt or when I feel weakness or when I feel um, an injury, a hint of an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's my dance with my demons that mm-hmm. I really, really faced head on with this with this process, not just on the trail, but in the few months leading up to it as I was in physical therapy and, and trying to to train in order to do it. Um, because my go-to is to, instead of just acknowledging when my body's tired or that, yeah, you know, you moved a little extra hard, you're going to need to rest for that. And just acknowledging that without judgment, my go-to in the past has always been to like, well, you're not, you're not an athlete or you're not good enough or you, um, you know, what did you do wrong? Mm -hmm. Just beat myself up, beat myself up. Yeah. And um, about a, a month before the through hike began, uh, I actually had another injury pop up. I, my, I felt something shift in my ankle and click and all of a sudden I could put, couldn't put weight on it. This was a month before I was supposed to leave. I was so upset and I got it diagnosed by a, you know, by, um, the doctor and I got so upset about that process. And I, I came to a realization while I was crying <laughs> through all of that, that um, the affirmation, the trail is now came to me mm-hmm. that I I'd been thinking that I was, if I went out on this through hike on the trail, that's where I was going to do my work. That's where mm-hmm. I was going to face my demons. That's where I was going to summon my strength and my resilience. And I realized in that moment, as all my self-thoughts, negative criticism, all that stuff was coming up, I was like, no, Laura, this is your greatest challenge right now, is how do you respond to yourself (coughs) with with kindness? How do you respond to yourself with kindness and compassion Mm. and self-acceptance and love? You wouldn't speak to any of your friends that way if they hurt themselves. Why would you speak to yourself that way? So I, when I started the hike, I honestly didn't know how far I would get because mm. of, of the new injury. Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start this. I don't know if I'm going to walk 10 miles. I don't know if I'm going to walk 20. I don't know if I'm going to end up just camping for two weeks in the same spot because my ankle mm. won't move. Um, but by the time I started, I realized that the very first day just entering the trail, I had already succeeded because I work through that stuff. That's so inspiring. I'm proud of you. That's incredible. It's really incredible. Thanks. So knowing these things um, about you, Lindy Hopping and these adventurous hikes and things, I'm so curious as to what's next. You have this, you have this one, this goal of reaching this certain hiking goal, yes? I do. Yes. John Muir Trail is, well, so I wanted to do a through hike this summer because I am also dun, 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 turning 50 this year. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> um, so I wanted to celebrate that. 
-hmm. you know, I, I wanted to celebrate it with an, an embodied act of strength. So um, the Tahoe Rim Trail was, could be very much considered like a, they call it a shakedown, right? Like it's a, it's a hike before your big hike. Okay. Um, where you kind of figure out what, what works, what do you want to change? And so um, I have a hiking partner, friend, coworker, fellow dance movement therapist. Her name is Allison. Hi, Allison. Mm -hmm. um, and she and I are planning on doing the John Muir Trail next summer um, to celebrate um, two very milestone birthday years for both of us. That's exciting. So yes, we're going to do it. That is so exciting. Well, I am going to start a uh, little fun wrap up for us. Okay. Um, this is our rapid response questions. Makes you feel like you're, you know, James Lipton, actor studio, good times. Okay. 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 So I can't think about it too much, huh? That's right. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? Law and order SVU. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite sound? ASMR. ASMR? Isn't that what they call it? Don't click this. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you could have dinner and conversation with one person, who would it be? Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. I knew Stephen that Colbert. Was gonna be the Stephen answer. Colbert. <laughs> Stephen Colbert, are you listening? Are you listening? Because I'd really like to just have a drink with you. Okay, thanks. Is that all you want? <laughs> <laughs> I respect his wife. His wife's very nice. I've gotten to know her this past year on TV. So okay. Okay. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh my goodness. Um I would love to be a river raft guide leading um, whitewater raft trips down the Grand Canyon, uh, Colorado River. Oh, fun. Me too. If you could bring anyone back from the dead, who would it be? Oscar Wilde. Oh, yes. Um, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? That she danced. Mm. So poetic and right spot on. What's your favorite Anne Rice novel? <gasps> oh, okay. Easy. Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. I love Queen of the Damned. Like I, it, I love the female centric aspect of it. I love yeah. the huge long history, like getting to the root of how did it all start? Yeah. Great. Most important question, action, thriller, rom-com or documentary. Are those four questions? Which one? Which action, one? If you had to action, pick? thriller, action, rom thriller, rom-com, or documentary. Got to choose one. Uh, <laughs> if it's high quality, rom-com. High quality, rom-com. Yes. Don't be afraid to admit that. It's it, okay. It can't be crap though. Most rom-coms no, suck. They really do. They really do. But a good rom-com is is pretty important. If it's when Harry met Sally quality. Yeah. 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 What are you, this is, we're, uh, we're going away from the rapid response. I'm going to just a couple quick little things for okay. our listeners, some like direct advice. So what, um, what are you reading right now that, or have read recently that's been um, inspirational to you or helped you in any way? Mm. 
Um, there's a book by Margaret Wheatley, I believe I'm saying that name correctly, um, called Perseverance. Mm. And it is a small book that was gifted to me by a friend um, when I was going through my divorce. And I have found incredible strength from it. It's, they're just little poems and almost kind of like devotional um, size readings, just like a couple pages. But it is, it's all about the spirit of perseverance and resilience. It's, it's incredibly moving. I'm going to have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? To trust the process. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is something I'm working on so much is, is trusting the process and, yeah. and, and letting go. And that's, um, um, yeah, that's, that's challenging. Definitely. And there's a lot of elements that have to come into that you know, when you're trusting, it's hard to trust other people. It's hard to trust other, you know, scenarios, but with trusting the process, it's, it's learning to trust yourself and, and letting go of expectation and control and knowing that you'll be okay along the way, whatever happens. I think that's a great place for us to wrap, knowing that we will be okay along the way. We will be okay along the way. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your gifts with us. And um, I'm always so grateful for whenever I can share time with you and we can stop our busy lives for a little while and, and come together. So thank you for um, sharing that with our listeners. And um, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed <laughs> this so much. Thanks for listening. For those of you new to the podcast, we are Voices Amplified and you are listening to Voices Amped. You can check out our work or support us by visiting voicesamplified.net. Our work generates brave and equitable spaces for storytelling by underrepresented voices in dominant culture. We support and partner with organizers, thought leaders, and arts activists across the United States. Our team is me, Ellie Clark, and co-founder Vanessa Becker-Weig, as well as the incredible Dr. Margaret McGlattery and Jenny Benavides. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Voices Amped. We love feedback, so shoot us an email at ellie at voicesamplified.net. That's E-L-L-I-E at voicesamplified.net. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, reach out. As always, thanks for your support. And remember, be curious, be courageous, take up space, and make some noise.